This is your half-empty cup of joe. Pour a cup of this good-smelling coffee. It will taste as good as it smells. This show is hosted by Joe Jaquit and Jason Walker. Because half a cup is better than no cup. Welcome to the Half Empty Cup of Joe. It's Monday. It's the 5th of January, uh, 2024. Joe, I, uh, I don't know. It's, Sometimes you go back a little while. It's it's hard to picture yourself in 2024. Sometimes, right? <laughs> but but here it is. You know, I still feel like Y2K was just a little while ago. You know, you know, you you, you always uh, got to remember, right? With that that first month or two, like when yeah, you know, like when you're writing checks for those people that still have to write checks, you you forget. You're like, oh. It's 2024, right? Because you're, you're so used to uh, putting 2023. I think uh, 2024 is going to be one of those years uh, that I think for a lot of people uh, is going to be a, a year to remember. And, and, and probably not for the greatest reasons, right? You know, it, it's going to be uh, one of those types of years uh, where – where uh, I think a lot of people are going to look back at it and be, wow, that was bad. We've had a lot of crazy years in this country. That that one uh, might maybe one of the crazier ones. But I also believe, Joe, that uh, the, the more the years continue on, uh, I, I believe all of the turbulence, all the all the uh, negative things that happen, even fr- fr- from from 2020 on, is it's all well, it was COVID's fault. I think COVID's going to – it got the blame for everything. I used to joke back in 2020 and 2021 that if you stubbed your foot, it was COVID's fault, right? You could, it was, you could blame it for everything. And I think that's going to kind of be a, a, one of the fingers that gets pointed at when, when things get rocky and things get a little scary in the news cycle and they, 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 they uh, spread that thick layer of fear on, onto the, the population. They're, they're, it's always going to be point the finger and it's, well, the COVID started the whole thing, man. If it was for COVID, we wouldn't be here. It's all that's all the the boogeyman. It's 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 the cooties. It's all the cooties. But it's the uh, cooties. It's it, well, you know, COVID is the biggest game of cooties in human history. You know, I remember as a kid, you know, the girls running around tagging each other. Oh, you got the cooties! You got the cooties! And that I joined Patriot Trading Group because I knew the next big emergency was coming. I, it's like, man, I got to get into gold quick. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to concoct another war or something, and I'm gonna be. I want to be around in a better place to take advantage because I. I can't just sit around and watch the next emergency happen and watch people position themselves in a better place to, to you know to, to be in a better place. I, I'm I'm sorry I didn't make society right, Joe. I didn't make the corrupt government that runs this place. And uh, we got a video I'm going to play from a guy you'll never have heard of. I never heard of him, but I've, I've, I have this bad habit when I'm, you know, and it's like anybody, you know, at home I got the TV, and the TV lets me go to certain things for streaming services, but you can't go to BitChute, right? You can't go to Rumble, you know, at least not, I can't. I'm, I'm getting ready to, I'm actually uh, trying to get Jack to get me out. We're going to get a computer hooked up and write it to my TV and, and get a keyboard, and I'm just going to be able to go away from YouTube. Uh, YouTube is great. You can find stuff so easy. The search engine is great. But they really only show you so much. So I've, I'm slowly but surely weaning myself off that habit. And then I find stuff because I'm pretty good at, at typing in good uh, searches for things. 
And I came across this video a few weeks ago. I was like, holy cow, this guy says it the way Joe says it. He says it the way I say it. Uh, you're going to hear some stuff that sounds like Patriot trading. You're going to hear some stuff that sounds like half-empty cup of Joe. And, uh, and I'll, I'll let you know in the second hour more about this guy because uh, I did a, a small search and tried to figure out a little bit about him. But uh, I think it's good information. You hear somebody else that has it right. Right, Joe, a guy that's not going to blame it on COVID, a guy that's not going to blame it on uh, on this war or this thing or that thing. He's like, look, this is what's going on, and here's where we're headed. And in this video, which was, uh, I'm not sure who, who it's a, it's a, it's a low-quality video, but, but someone was getting a speech he was having in front of some people. And uh, they recorded it in 1991. So this thing's hard to believe, Joe, but th 1991 is 33 years ago. That just seems, you know, that blows my mind. You know, the, the more years we tack on, the more that the 1990s are in the 30-something you know, years ago category. But uh, he, this guy's one of those guys, Joe. He's, well, he's, he's a he's a KHNC guy, you know. He would, yeah. He, he understands how it works, and he's trying to give a very simple idea of this is how the world works. Here's what you need to understand. And he's got kind of this kind of this kind of funny little laugh. We're gonna we're gonna skip some commercial breaks so we can get a lot of because we're not even gonna get the whole thing in. This is like almost a three hour presentation he puts on. But I think there's enough uh, enough meat there uh, in the, in the first bunch that we're gonna listen to, Joe. That uh, you know, it, we'll stop. Maybe join. I'll stop and have some comments here and there uh, uh, to talk a little bit. May, if callers do come in, we'll try to get you in if you've heard of this guy. But uh, it, it should be it should be interesting stuff. It's always good to hear a guy that's got it right. His name is Don Fletcher. His full name is Donald Stewart Fletcher. I found him on a search. Somebody posted his video, which I cannot find on YouTube because you know he's he's one of the bad guys, Joe. He's one of the bad guys. And uh, I'll I'll talk more about it in the second hour, but I don't know if there's anything else you want to add, Joe. But it's uh, it's 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 good stuff. It's good to know the, the good yeah, guys. Yeah. So th this is this is going to be uh, uh, more more listening. Um, uh, we're going to try to get as much of uh, the 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 important stuff uh, for you guys, and then maybe you know uh, if you want to call or text, it'll be later. Uh, let, let's yep. let's. Let let let's let's get through say the majority of of this hour, uh, and then maybe we can uh, towards the end of it uh, open the phone lines up. And if it's popular enough, we uh, we have no guests so far scheduled for Thursday. If it's really popular for some reason, we can play more of it uh, on the, on Thursday. But I, I think you guys will get the gist of it. So uh, let's let's put this thing in uh, the, the the video that I put together. It's called "How the Financial World Will Collapse." 1991 Don Fletcher presentation. Here, here we go. Oh, hang on one second. I got to turn that audio on. On in the country for a while. Uh, from 1913 on, and we're going to start with 1913 for a very interesting reason. Can 1913? Okay. Uh, if you had a, if you had a house in 1913, let's say you had a house here. This is the year. All right. I'm gonna even try another marker here. See if we... he does have he does have a whiteboard. He does write some stuff up there, but he verbalizes everything he's writing. And, he, and even in the video, you can't really even see what he's writing. So just just for the the listener, don't worry about the stuff that he's he's writing on the whiteboard. He, half the time, he, all these markers are dry. So there's some of that. So just uh, just a heads up. We can get a darker marker. Uh, the house, the average house in the United States, sold for about uh, about a thousand dollars. Okay. So uh, about a thousand dollars. Yeah, it's a little better, isn't it? 
Okay, and if you had a loaf of bread, if you bought, bought a loaf of bread in the cost a penny. And uh, if you're into Mother Goose and all the rhymes, remember one a penny, two a penny, hot cross buns, <laughs> all that stuff, okay? You have to excuse me, I'm, I'm a grandfather, so I get into this. All right, but it's, it's fun to see how, how things change here. Uh, because we're going to show you that there's a pattern. If we go to school, uh, we, get, we get in history what's called existentialism. And I don't know if you know what existentialism means, but it means that there isn't any reason for anything. It just exists. <laughs> if, you get, if you really believe that, you, get, you can become a teacher. <laughs> All right, we're going to show you that things, that things don't just exist, that they are caused. And uh, as the saying goes, yes, Virginia, there is a plan. <laughs> okay? <clears throat> And uh, you're going to be amazed at this plan, I think, when you see it, because it's affecting all of us, and yet we don't realize what it is. It's, a, it's sort of like we're in a riptide. We swim in, and then every Friday we swim back out, you know, and the paycheck comes in, we lose it all again. And we just live paycheck to paycheck. And the other six days a week we're trying to swim in, and payday we swim back out. Okay. All right. Now, what we have here is a dollar then, and back in 1913, was worth a dollar. And uh, income tax in 1913, does anybody happen to know right offhand what the income tax was in 1913? Zero. Zero, right. Isn't that interesting? There was no income tax, was there? All right. Now, we're starting with 1913 because we're going to again and again and again come back to this because we're going to demonstrate, I think before the, the meeting is over here, that the United States was a different country after 1913. It had different management, it had different goals, it had a different operation. We are actually witnessing the advent of two Americas, if you will. All right? Uh, and there are two Americas existing right now, side by side. Now, these, you may sound like, well, <laughs> which way is out? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you haven't heard anything like this. Okay. But this is actually happening. Give, us, give, us, give me just a moment to demonstrate this. But there's two things going on here that we don't understand. And when we understand it, then it makes sense and you can cope and you can make all the money you want to make and you don't have to lose any in taxes and stuff like that if you don't want to. Now, if you want to pay tax, but, you know, that's fine. All right. Uh, in 1913, we had a, an organization uh, start in our country called a central bank. We're going to be going into a central bank and what a central bank is because this is not taught in history. We're taught in history, the existentialism, the banks just come and go, there's no reason. Well, <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> nothing that, you, nothing that, I, that we're going to be learning today did I learn in school. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is interesting stuff. It's all in the school of hard knocks afterwards that we, we learned this, all right? The, the boys in the bank, the, 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 com, the uh, central bank, started printing money at a rate of 7.12%. Okay? 7.12% is what normally is known as the rule of seven, because if you print money at a rate of 7.12% and it's compound interest, right, every 10 years the money supply doubles. All right? Now, the problem with that is, is that the base of the wealth doesn't double. So we're talking about the money supply doubles in relationship to the amounts of goods and services available, if you will. All right. In other words, there's twice as much money to buy the same commodity. All right. This is referred to as M1, M2, M1, M2, so forth and so on. We want the M numbers up here, okay? Because we're going to talk about this because these guys all baffle you with all these M numbers. All right. Now, money is printed here. Okay. So that means that here's the year over here. Okay. And every ten years. This money doubles. Okay. Now, you may say, well, so what? Well, we have just described inflation. 
okay? Because by 1923, the money supply in the United States had doubled. There was twice as much money in 1923 as there was in 1913, but there wasn't any, any more base to it. In other words, it was like just adding water to the soup. Pretty soon the soup doesn't taste quite the same, does it, all right? So now, uh, what do you suppose, having never maybe been to Stanford or anything like this, okay, what do you suppose happened to prices, okay? But <laughs> you're familiar with Stanford, it's the school up the coast. <laughs> they used to call the football team the big red machine, of course, now that's what we call the faculty, okay? Now, so what happens here, you see, is that having, if you had gone to a business school up there, uh, okay, they would teach you what inflation is. By the time you get out, it takes you about two hours to describe inflation. Okay, and when you get through, you realize the guy hasn't, doesn't really know what it is, okay? All right, what causes inflation is an increase in the supply of money. And you can extend that to credit, if you will, okay? To a certain extent, credit can be money. But it's, and I'm getting this right out of Webster's Ninth Collegiate Dictionary. This is not like some esoteric tome that I'm reading. <laughs> this is the English definition of inflation. It's an increase in the supply of money, okay? All right, so if money is, if there's twice as much money in existence, what do you suppose would happen to the price of the house? Anybody want to take a wild guess? Doubles. Well, you guys aren't very sophisticated. That's right, it doubles, you see? It doubles, okay? It would take four years of, of higher education to confuse that, okay? All right? Okay? It's not easy to confuse this. It takes quite some time, okay? And uh, you get degrees in it. All right, now, what do you suppose would happen to the loaf of bread? Two cents. Okay, you were moving along here. This is great, sharp crowd, okay? I, I take back everything I heard about LA. Okay, now, all right, now. <laughs> all right, dollars. Okay, what was the dollar worth? Right, see, isn't this fun, see? Oh boy, now, there was an income tax because the law said in, in the 16th Amendment, we're gonna get into the 16th Amendment because in the 16th Amendment never passed. The 16th Amendment was only ratified by four states. It wasn't ratified by two-thirds of the states which required for an amendment, okay? There are some books on the subject which we'll get to later on. We're going to talk about books later on because you're pretty, hey, you're going to hear some pretty bizarre stuff from me, and I would just want to be able to document it, okay? <clears throat> we were going to now steal from the rich and give to the poor. Is this a good deal or what? <laughs> that means for you to collect something, you didn't have to do anything. Is this great? You see how that works? And somebody who does produce something now is now stolen from. I mean, is it, is it, hey, this is a great system, isn't it? And uh, they called it, I think there was a fellow by the name of Karl Marx. He was a show business guy that they put on the name of a book years ago. And uh, after the, 20 years after the book was written, his name was added to it to distract from who really wrote the book. We'll get into that in history. He said that he, uh, the, the, this uh, garbage or whatever you want to call it, uh, <laughs> Yeah, is that uh, this is called from each according to his ability to each according to his need. Isn't that interesting? So if you have an ability to pay, you pay. And if you have a need, you receive. Is this great? This has built the tremendous system that we see in Russia today. <laughs> After 80 years, they cannot produce a paper clip. Okay, why? Because, let's just take for an example, okay, you, you get a plot of land over there, and you go out and you say, well, this is exciting, and they give you a tractor and all this because it's a state farm, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no pun on the insurance company. Okay, what happens here is that, uh, that uh, so you go out every morning at 5 o'clock, and you, and you farm this land, okay? And boy, you have a great harvest. Well, meanwhile, this dodo that lives next to you sleeps till noon every day. <laughs> well, you know, he's not too excited about it. Now, what happens at harvest time? Uh, he, you take your wheat into the government town, and the, and the government gives you back equal amounts. I mean, because you're equal now, right? 
Isn't that interesting? So you, you make an interesting observation that on the day of harvest, he gets as much as you get. Get it? So this is equality. Why, isn't this nice? Okay, the only question I have is, what time do you get up next year? Yeah. See, who produces the wheat? Nobody. Isn't that interesting? We have now described socialism. <laughs> that takes about three years in the government school. Okay, now, so what are we learning here? Okay, we're learning that the information we have is pretty much bunko, isn't it? We don't know why we're broke. We don't know what's wrong with the country. We don't know why we can't keep what we earn. We don't know all these things, you see. And after I submit after the seminar today, we will. <laughs> you may be mad, but you'll know it. Okay. Okay, now, and this is called, by the way, this is called M1, because that was the original supply of money. Okay. That's our first problem, is that the board doesn't erase. Okay. <laughs> so we'll just use different colors as we go over it again and again, okay? <laughs> All right, now. <laughs> All right, this is known as M2. Why is this known as M2? Because there's twice as much money. It's money, too, I guess. You know, I took years of this economic stuff, and if you ever wrote anything intelligent on a test, of course, you'd flunk the test, so you didn't put anything down that made any sense. Okay, that's economics, okay? Now, all right, we're in for another big surprise. What do you suppose happened in 1933? Moving right along, uh, we now find that the boys keep printing the money here, and there may be some girls involved, I'm not sure. All right, and we have $4,000 for a house. We have $0.04 cents for a loaf of bread. We have $0.25 cents for a worth of a dollar. We have a 1% income tax. Now, isn't that interesting? If you worked and worked and worked and you finally doubled your income so you could stay even where you were the last 10 years, your taxes doubled. <laughs> this is called surprise. Get it? <laughs> it's called you have arrived. Chop. Okay, now... Okay, this is called M3 because the money supply doubled again. It's not called M4. It's called M3. It takes many years to get this remembered. <clears throat> okay? Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Now, let's take a look at 1943. In 1943, we have an $8,000 house. We've got an $0.08 loaf of bread. We've got a $0.12. We've got a 2% income tax. We've got M4. All right, we'll try another one. Okay, 1953 rolls along. You won't guess what happens in 1953, or maybe you will. <laughs> $16,000 house, 16 cent loaf of bread, six cent dollar, four percent income tax, M5. Moving right along, we now come to 1963. It takes a little while to understand history. All right. $32,000 for a house, $0.32 cents for a loaf of bread, $0.03 cents for a dollar, 8% income tax, M6. I'm going to show you what happens at M10. Okay? At M10, something magical happens. And I'll explain that in just a minute. Okay. 1973, we have a $64,000 house, a $0.64 cent loaf of bread, $1 worth $0.02, and a 16% income tax, we have M7. Moving right along, we come to 1983. We have a $128,000 house, we've got a $1.28 loaf of bread, we've got a dollar worth $0.01, cent, 
It takes 100 times more today to buy something than your grandfather paid in 1913, plus you're going to lose 32% in the taxes, which he didn't. You understand that why Grandpa had the farm and you don't, right? I mean, this is understandable? Okay, he was much better off. Okay, M8. Okay, moving right along, we come to 1993. And since this is going to be on a videotape, we won't tell you what year this is. We'll just keep going. <laughs> because, see, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> this thing will be just as correct 20 years from now as it was today. Okay, we've got, uh, oh golly, 128, what have we got there? $256,000 for a house, a $2.56 loaf of bread, a dollar worth one half of one cent, and a 64% income tax, and we have M9. Isn't this exciting? All right, moving along to M10. We have the year 2003, $512,000 for a house, $5.12 for a loaf of bread, a dollar worth one-tenth of one cent, and 128% income tax, and M10, we have arrived. How would you pay 128% income tax? And I'll give you the answer. If you'd have to sell everything you own and borrow money. And you would say, well, who would do that? And I would tell you right now, American farmers all do that. Isn't that interesting? Anybody who has property does that because the property, the ownership of the property is a burden. Okay? All right. The ownership of anything is a burden. Okay, what happened here? Why? What happened? Let's take a look. Let's go back to 1776. We go back to 1776, and the average house was $1,000. And again, we're going to give you some books and documentation. The loaf of bread was a penny. Okay? The dollar was a dollar. The income tax was zero, okay, and we still had M1, okay? Now, 137 years go by, okay? All these years go by. And what do we have? Why? We have no inflation, do we? Now, what do we hear when we go to school? Well, inflation has always been with us. Inflation is a perennial problem. Whoops, not for America. Not for the first 137 years, was it? And we've always had taxes. Well, not for the first 130 years we didn't have these taxes. By the way, you know, Will Rogers says there is a difference between death and taxes. Did you know that? He said that death doesn't get worse every time Congress meets. Okay. But anyway, so what we, have, what we have here, you see, is that... <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Because you see, that basically, we have 137 years here where there wasn't any income tax or any inflation. Isn't that interesting? We didn't hear this in school, did we? We didn't, we didn't hear that there was a big difference between 1776 to 1913 and 1913. We didn't hear this in economics. We didn't get this in history, did we? A few things kind of left out of the school system, isn't it, see? <laughs> well, suppose I went to school and I taught this. <laughs> How long do you think I'd be on the faculty, see? See, not very long, probably until about the college president heard I was teaching something like this, because this is not to be taught on a college campus, because this does not produce adjustment, you see. And that's what they're after with the kiddies is adjustment. Isn't this interesting? It's not necessary that Johnny learns to read, write, or spell. It's necessary that he's adjusted. <laughs> we have now just discussed higher learning. <laughs> see, actually, higher learning is dangerous, so you don't get any of it. <laughs> you just get more years in school. <laughs> It's devoid of higher learning, isn't it? All right? Because you'd be all upset if you learned something happened in 1913 that wasn't going on before, wouldn't you? And that wouldn't produce adjustment, you see. So therefore, the government must run all the schools to make sure that this adjustment is induced. All right, let's take a look at this. Hmm, okay. Well, 
you know, you say, well, things are different now. You know, it's not as simple, and, you know, so forth and so on. You don't want any of these simplistic answers and, you know, all this garbage that explains why people can't explain what they learned when they went to school. <laughs> it's complicated, okay? <laughs> all right, <clears throat> let's take a look at this. What happened in the country from 1776 to 1913? Was this good for the country or was it bad for the country? So let's just analyze this for a minute, okay? What was the impact of no taxes, no income taxes, and uh, no property taxes, well, a little bit of property taxes, but certainly uh, no inheritance taxes on the country where people could actually acquire property and keep it? Was this good or was it bad? Was this an, a positive incentive or was it a negative incentive? See, so forth and so on. So let's just take a, a quick look back through history, and we'll take a look and say, well, history started, I think, about the year... Uh, what was it, 3000 B.C. or something? It was the first time so Moses wrote the first five books of the, of the Bible, or the Pentateuch, they call it. And from the Garden of Eden, which is about 3,000 years B.C., something like that, okay, until America was started, 1776 A.D., here, okay, uh, what do we have? Approximately 5,000 years, something like that. And then we have a little period of time after this. Okay, from to 1913. Okay, a little period of time. Okay, now, from this period of time to this period of time, what happened? If Adam and Eve wanted to go somewhere, they'd probably ride a horse, don't you imagine? Now, if, if uh, George Washington wanted to go up to, to Philadelphia to the Continental Convention and he left Mount Vernon down in Virginia, how do you suppose he would travel? He'd ride a horse, wouldn't he? So notice what we have. 5,000 years goes by, people are riding horses. That's interesting. Not a whole lot of progress, is there? Okay, let's go back. We'll look at the Bible. We'll go back into Gideon, the Valley of Midianites. Remember, he was up there, and he had all these Midianites down the valley, and they signaled to him, and they waved lanterns. This was like about three, this was about 2,000 years B.C. This was back in the book of Judges, okay? Now, notice, if you wanted to send a message at night, 4,000 years ago, <laughs> You waved a lantern, didn't you? Isn't that interesting? Now, question. Here's the biggie. When Paul Revere wanted to notify us that the British were coming just 150, 200 years ago, how was he able to signal that? He put a lantern in the belfry, didn't he? Isn't that interesting? 4,000 years later, guys are waving lanterns. Hi, George. Hi, Sam. How are you? See? Good. Well, time to go. See? Waving lanterns. Not a whole lot of progress, was there? Why? Because if anybody invented something, it would be taken away from him and used against him. That is called socialism. That's called from each according to his ability to each according to his need. So no, everybody makes sure he doesn't have any ability. <laughs> We've now described America's welfare program. If you work, you lose. If you produce anything, out. Only if you are a non-productive, unmarried person bearing children are you eligible for these rewards. Now, what's happening to the homes in America as a result of this? Is this good for America or bad for America? What are we getting? We get what we pay for. Have you ever noticed that? If we want to pay for licentiousness, we want to pay for no production, you simply buy it. And it happens. And what is our money going for? Something that's good for the country or bad for the country? You see, isn't that interesting? We haven't got the wars yet. We'll get to that. Wars are even more interesting because that kills the people quicker. <clears throat> Sometimes you can't wait for a generation. <laughs> you have to do it right away. The money buys that. Okay, now notice what we have here. During this period of time, what happened in the United States? Well, let's see. Uh, 
we had Robert uh, Fulton comes along, he invents a steamboat. The newspapers didn't like it. The newspapers don't like much. They're still run by the English bank. We'll get to that later. And they called it Fulton's Folly and so forth. But he made the equivalent of today millions of dollars, and he kept it. No tax. Well, this, this got to be exciting, wasn't it? Because it turns out that if you could build something that someone else benefited from and they would buy it, you would make a shh, quiet profit. <laughs> we don't say those words around USC, do we? Profit. Oh, very bad, greedy, filthy. You see all these things that are attached to profit? Profit is what caused the progress. Guys could keep what they earn. Isn't that exciting? Hey, the first time in history this ever happened. And no nation on earth had ever developed where the people could keep what they earned. You always had this problem of having sharecropping and so forth. That's where a lot of your wages go to the Lord of the manor. You recognize it today. It's called withholding. Okay, you see? And see, we have these new names for old slavery. You see? And the result is we produce nothing. How many guys you know don't want to work extra overtime or don't want to get any more money? It's just it's just a big burden because now they lose it. Why work for something they can't keep? You see, the negative impact here. Joe, so it's a good part to stop for a moment, but isn't it interesting how he sets up that in biblical times, you send a message at night with a lantern on a horse because the closed financial system of control by rulers... And he goes all the way to the time of Paul Revere's ride, going off with a lantern to send a message, but showing that the American system, which was created, you know, when people don't like America, they don't understand this, where suddenly horses and lanterns turn into 2024, even though things, as he's showing, doubling the money supply every 10 years and, and taking away all of this, those that are in charge want to take away that progress. They might act like there's going to be progress. But I don't think people, when I talk, you know, Joe, you, how many times have you heard me say, well, we're heading for at least a 50 to 100 years of a dark ages. Uh, and we're not going back to Paul Revere days, but stagnant, you know, inescapable serfdom where you cannot produce and, and, and enrich yourself and, and move society forward. It's all going to go sideways, and people are going to wonder what happened. It's pretty. He did a pretty good. I mean, there's a you know some of this is basic stuff for some people, but it's good to hear it's put, mapped out the way he mapped it out to this point, which is like, look, something a magical thing happened. The American system was invented, and 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 society moved forward. It's it's really it's, it's an interesting way to have it laid out that way, Joe. And and when you think about it, right? I mean, uh, and I say this all the time. Right? We became a superpower. On this system, where, yep. which, which now, look at what we're talking about today. It is the is America's run over. I mean, we're still a superpower, but uh, you know, we, we we talk about how many nations now are saying, well, you know, we don't want to, we don't want the dollar, we don't want uh, American, we don't want uh, that that the the debt anymore. And, and it's taken a while, hasn't it, right? Because what was unleashed from 1776 up until 1913, right? That, that inertia, that motion, it, it took a while. Remember, he started out, well, the, the tax was 1%, right? And, and now, uh, depending on guys, heaven forbid you live in California, right? You got to give up 50-something percent, of your wealth, right? When you're at the top, and 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 everybody uh, behind it, right? We're we're, we're it, it feels like it's slow motion, but.
But when you talk about, you know, he was talking about biblical times, 3,000 years ago, right? I mean, 100 years is nothing. And in, in this 100 years, uh, we, we've, we've set up the foundation uh, to what Jason is talking about, a very dark time where the vast majority of people they, they don't own a home, they don't own a car, right? We, and we've talked about it now, let's face it. The vast majority of people today can't afford a home, right? And, and if you took away mommy and daddy helping you or grandma and grandpa helping you, right, you're probably down to something like, I don't know, 25, 30%, maybe 33% of the population could afford a home, right? And how many people can actually really afford a new car right and 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 what does that number look like and every decade now it seems like it's picking up steam every decade another 10 percent can't afford every decade another 10 percent another 10 percent we're we're getting real close to where the 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 vast vast and I'm not talking right now we're on a majority but the vast majority Jason won't be able to afford these things and that's and the dark age you talk about right yeah. I mean that's oh, yeah. kind of what you're talking about it's, things are going to go stagnant and the 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 need for humans is going to go down uh, I like the way for all the people that I sort of disagree with about the uh, depopulation Don Fletcher's actually kind of starting to set up the model for depopulation you have you know he, he said it look you have the guy he, he's he's doing the farm he has this huge harvest it's socialism he goes everybody gets an equal amount the guy who wakes up at noon and doesn't do nothing with his life is getting as much as he's going to get this is what society used to be and the population of the world was very small and there was no progress this slowing down where he says you know farmers at some point he, he says 128 percent tax that for most people is like ah that ain't, that's no there's no such thing as that well i mean how many people end up with nothing you know it, it's a vast majority of people especially when you die depending on you know, if, if you're lucky and you were earning a whole lot of money if you, you can put a little bit away yeah there's some uber rich people that are at the top of this thing and he's not talking about them they've learned how to escape taxes for the average person, he's talking about you, the average person, being taxed to nothing. And, and he, he, this is a 1991, just to be sure, this is a 1991 speech he has, a presentation. So he talks about 1993 and 2003, and that's when we hit M10. Well, what happened right before M10, right, Joe? 9-11. Things started changing. How many times have we said things really got changed after 9-11, right, Joe? He says they hit M10, and that's kind of like the length of taxation, that they're they're controlling society completely. Where they're moving us straight back into a socialist society. We, now here we are in 2023, 2024. You know, you will own nothing and be happy. That's exactly what he's explaining. You know, that's exactly where most average people end up. And if you just, you know, if you just fed up and don't care, you just you just become a a bottom feeder. And there's going to be a time when this system that he's talking about, and he's decades ahead of where we're at. You're talking about this stuff. They won't need you. All these people that cry and bitch and moan about wanting the government to take care of them, those are the first people that are going to be washed down the drain, Joe, because if you're not producing for this socialist system in the future, you, they will get rid of you once you've seceded all of our freedoms to the masters, Joe. And that's what 
very interesting how 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 well he was ahead of this thing in 1991 when you know there was a, he's not the only one it's just joe that it's hard to find these guys that actually were out there speaking about this in 1991 most americans were still kind of partying and thinking things were all right you know we, the gulf war was in 1991 but it ended the, the ground war ended in four days america just felt great nobody thought about this stuff joe nobody was looking at where we were going to be in 20 or 30 years the, the thing that I like the best, though, is, is he was talking about in the education system. Hey, they don't teach you this, right? They want you to uh, – they make it all complicated, right? Someone tell me what inflation is, right? Oh, my, oh my gosh, it takes them 20 minutes. Now, inflation is really simple. It's the, printing, it's the printing of money backed by nothing. That's it. That's all there is. It, it literally is one small sentence, uh, but yet they, 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 they've done this, right, through, uh, through education – They've justified why it is uh, that that most people at the end of this are going to be worse off than when we started because they don't want you to know, right? Because, man, if we kept it simple, everybody would be like, wait, I don't want that system, right? Yeah, no, I pass on that. No thanks, right? I'm getting texts from some of my customers. The man's name is Don Fletcher. Okay, this is a presentation from 1991. People, got to get his name out a couple more times. His name is Don Fletcher. Uh, he, he's a guy that uh, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you some uh, some some where the guy is here now. I want to wait till next hour. I want you to really listen to the guy a little more uh, before we shut down the video and then uh, maybe go into some uh, some callers and things. But his name is Don Fletcher. This is a presentation. I think he went through the country when he got to about the, this age uh, uh, where he was. He's a, he's a, I think he was a new grandfather. He wasn't a really old guy. I think he was. Uh, late 50s when this when this video is made maybe mid 50s um but uh this was a presentation in 1991 i think he went around showing he was he, i'll let you know in the next hour what he was doing and then and, and, and uh what, what happened to don fletcher uh after we listened a little more but i think this is what he was doing joe he was trying to help people understand this so that they can make decisions to help themselves from bankrupting themselves and their kids that's that's what this is about you got you got to learn the history of it right joe before you can make those choices yeah, I mean that's that's the uh, the thing about it. That that's that's the part they're leaving out, and he's letting you know, hey, they they don't want you to know the history because if you know the history, you'll be able to see through it. Let's play it a little bit more before because we're going to have the uh, the station identification, and, uh, so we'll have that commercial break coming. So let's listen to a little more of uh, Don Fletcher's presentation, 1991. Okay, now, all right. So we find here some interesting stuff. Uh, we have Eli Whitney comes along, he invents a cotton gin. All the cotton mills and the presses in Europe collapsed. You know what England did? They passed a law that the cotton gin was illegal in England. Boy, that would stop it, wouldn't it? The whole garment industry in England totally collapsed. <laughs> Nobody produced anything anymore. It was dead in a doornail. It was all produced from New York. Isn't that interesting? It still is. See, you can't make a law that out that outdoes economics. I mean, economics is the ultimate law. We're going to talk about this today. Economics is the law of, of, of white people of, of motivation. White people do things. All right. Uh, what somebody once said that the pen is mightier than the sword, uh, but the purse always buys the pen. <laughs> Stay with the purse. <laughs> This happened in the case of Karl Marx, where the Bank of England actually bought his pen. He's buried in England, London, of course, where his, where his employers were. He never went to Russia. Isn't that interesting? Okay. All right. The purse buys the pen. Let's remember that. 
All right? The most important thing is who pays for it. Because who pays for it gets what he pays for it. Well, we find that uh, Cyrus McCormick comes along, he invents a reaper, makes what's equivalent a million dollars today, keeps it. And uh, other guys are noticing this. As a matter of fact, people are coming from Europe now because this is now called the, the New World, the land of the free, the home of the brave, the melting pot, if you will. People are saving up their money in Scandinavia and every place else. To, their big dream is to come to America. You see, why? Because they keep what they earn. Well, uh, a little while later, Samuel Morse invents a telegraph, keeps all the money. Matter of fact, he, he bought all the, much of the land up around Monterey, up the coast in there, all the canneries and so forth, and his posterity still owns that. He passed it on down to his grandchildren, his children's children, and so forth, and they still own that. They still have it in the family, you see, because he invented a telegraph. Isn't that interesting? A few other things, too. Well, uh, we find that a guy came along by the name of Alexander Bell, and he invents a telephone. Isn't this interesting? He keeps the money. Well, another fellow comes along by the name of Marconi. Now, Marconi actually invented the radio in, in Italy. He didn't dare introduce it there because the government would take it away from it. The government radio. So he went to England, and he tried to introduce it in England, and they put him in, in a mental institution. They put him in a... They put him in a and meanwhile, the boys in the bank got his invention, and 20 years before he was able to get to America and release the invention, they were talking back and forth between London and New York. Isn't that interesting? With his radio. But nevertheless, he was able to get out of the funny farm and come over to America, where he introduced it and made millions of dollars as a result of inventing the radio. He, never, he didn't dare introduce this, this invention in any other country. It would be taken away from him. It would be stolen. That's why in the first 5,000 years, nobody invented a radio. It's really not hard to figure that out, is it? If you've been in the Army, you understand how that works. Anybody who, who produces anything in the Army is taken in and given what they call a GI shower. <laughs> the other guys don't like it when you do things that make them look bad. You stand in the middle of the third row, you never volunteer for anything, you wear the same suit, and you don't look any different and you don't do any differently. You got that? Because the next shower is with a lie. You see, and you can take care of guys that produce things. Because the peer pressure not to produce is extremely high, you see, if that information is used against the other people. In other words, if you peel potatoes twice as, twice as fast as the norm, <laughs> the next guy has to peel potatoes faster. That is a threat to him. And they'll take care of you. There's ways to do that. Sometimes it's called missing in action. <laughs> but you will not peel twice as fast, got it? Under no condition will that ever happen. You see, any progress is penalized. And as a result, nobody produces anything. It's pretty simple to figure out, isn't it? All right, a uh, fellow comes along by the name of uh, Thomas Edison. He invents some electric lights, some recorded sound, and so forth and so on. Makes millions of dollars. He keeps it all. Can you imagine this? These guys kept it. Wasn't that greedy? It's hard to believe. All these inventions were made by these greedy people, isn't it? <laughs> All right, uh, and then now you got the Wright brothers come along, they invent some airplanes, they fly around, keep the money, this is interesting. Henry Ford comes along, introduces the mass production of automobiles. People who drive there aren't even any roads. Henry's driving all over in cow trails. The model T's this high off the ground so you can go through the mud. Only in America. Notice these things didn't come from any other place. 
oh, there was a spin-off and France could copy us. After we had the airplane, then they could copy the airplane. And after, we, after we had the mass production automobile, then they could copy that. You see, notice the most advanced technological uh, country today. And I, I come from up in Silicon Valley, up there in San Jose area. And it's really interesting because we hear about the, all the Japanese and the Germans and all the Koreans and all these guys that are, that are you know, passing us in the production of stuff, but you see, they're not passing us in the development of things. The only thing that they can produce is a copy of what we invented last Friday. You notice that? It's really fascinating. But because there's still enough private enterprise available here that it, it rewards innovation, and it doesn't exist in the other countries. All the only thing that exists there is the copycat thing where they can actually maybe take apart something that, that's already been made and then they can figure it out maybe how to do it a little better. But they can't come up with something new to make. <laughs> oh boy. You see, this only happened in America because only in America could you keep it if you made it. Over there, it would be taken away from them. Now, the thing changes. I'm, if a Japanese person comes over here, it all changes. Now he can invent things, too. You see, it's not his race. It's his economy. See, because you can't say Italians are stupid because Marconi invented the radio. It's just in Italy they don't do anything. Okay? And neither would you if you lived in Italy. And neither would I because it's just taken away. It's better off to just go down to the beach and go swimming and forget it which they've been doing for 5,000 years. <laughs> All right, we went literally from horse and buggies to the age of the flight in about, oh, just a little over 100 years after the Constitution was written. Isn't that interesting? Now, what marked that period of time? What was the distinguishing characteristic? The distinguishing characteristic was no income tax and no inflation. Are we having fun? That's what produced the greatest progress the world has ever seen. So our thesis today is the greatest, the most patriotic, the most red-blooded, all-American thing you could possibly do is make all the money you can make and pay no tax. It's, it's, it's America one. Now, what we're going to show you is that there were two countries, okay? We have here America one, and we have here America two. Let me explain the primary difference between the two of them. This was what we call a constitutional republic. All laws were based upon the Constitution of the United States. In 1913, the, uh, the Constitution was uh, flawed to such an extreme event that it made it a completely different country. You could no longer uh, keep all the money you made, and you could no longer pass property onto your children and so forth. Okay? It was an entirely different country, and it became what we call a legislative democracy. The legislative democracy today runs side by side with the constitutional republic. And you can choose, they're both, incidentally, just out of pure coincidence, called America. They're both called the United States, you see, because the idea is to fool us, but they are different countries. And they exist side by side today, okay? Now, you, you can still live in America one, but you have to know how, and that's what the rest of our seminar is about. Is this fun or what? Okay? This is like our return to our roots. <laughs> okay, now, you see, because this is going to strip everything away. The primary book up here was the Constitution of the United States, actually based with the Declaration of Independence, where God, we are created, um, uh, and of course, endowed by our creator with these unalienable rights. Notice it wasn't inalienable rights. See, inalienable has a different, these were unalienable. Nobody could put a lien on it. The government, it says governments were instituted on men to secure these rights, 
Now, notice what's happening down here. The government is putting the liens on. <laughs> Up here, their job is to keep the liens off so nobody can lien your property. You can still live here. There's ways to do it. Okay? I mean, this is great stuff. The people that you read about, well, actually, the people you don't read about, the super rich, you know, we get this garbage in the newspaper, you know, but every year, the richest guy in the world is some guy who owns a drugstore or some guy who owns a department store. I mean, come on. You know, where's the guys with the banks and the oils, okay? They're up here. How come, how come they aren't listed as the richest men in the world? Well, because we're going to show you they have been able to, uh, to own this property or control this property without owning it. See, Rockefeller really doesn't own Standard Oil. He just controls it. The Rothschild Bank of England really doesn't own our Federal Reserve System. It just controls it. Hey, is that great or what? See, if you control it, there's no tax on control. There's only a tax on ownership. Got it? <laughs> but the guys with the drugstores and so forth, well, they are really making a lot of money, according to the Wall Street Journal. But all the guys with the really heavy bucks are always missing from these charts. <laughs> okay, amazing. Joe, what do you what do you say about that? Is he's getting into well, the really richest people, the ones we don't get to name. You know, when everybody's t on KHC and and other, you know, op opener minded type of individuals on uh, podcasts, you know, they talk about the they, they, they're they're doing this. It's they, it's those families, and uh, they don't own anything because you get taxed on owning things. They control, and they they are so wealthy and do so well because there's no taxes on them because. They don't own assets. They control assets because there's no taxes on control. Isn't that a, a, a really, really common sense understanding of how it really works, Joe? It's, it's interesting when you, put, you just hear it flatly said that way. Yeah, and it, it puts it uh, in, in uh, perspective. You know, we always talk. You know, we talk a lot about Vanguard and BlackRock, right? These guys, uh, they control, right? They control yeah. with your money. Right, it's it, it, right. They use your four hundred one k money or your investment money uh, to give them the control uh, on the money you gave them. Yeah, you just have a stock in the company, and you have a controlling interest in that. And sure, maybe if you sell stock, you have to pay some taxes on it. And I'm sure they don't care uh, with the ability to control assets. But uh, you know, Don, and if you if you catch on late, this, this man is uh, doing a presentation. This is 1991. This is 33 years ago. Uh, Don Fletcher. If you want to look it up, it's on BitChute. Because I've had a several now uh, texts coming in asking. It's it's on BitChute. It's this is this, you know BitChute doesn't have a good search engine, so you have to type in how the financial world will collapse, which is an interesting title, right, Joe? Because he he hasn't gotten that far. How the financial world will collapse. Dash Don Fletcher presentation. 1991. That's how you could find this. It is three hours long. The last half an hour, 45 minutes. He starts really talking about taxes, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll give you a little warning about that a little bit. I didn't watch that whole part, but because I know the guy's history and everything, and uh, there's, there's, it's, it's interesting, Joe, how, how information becomes, you become the enemy of the government because of information. This is information we've talked about, things like this, things close to this. But uh, his information, Joe, uh, as, as, as when we get to, through this break, we'll talk on the next, the next hour. His, his information is dangerous. He's, he's, he's letting you know a, a type of history that makes complete sense, doesn't it, Joe? How horse and, uh, horse and lantern is turned into, I mean, uh, Jack had his, uh, Jack or somebody at my house, we had a family gathering on Sunday, and uh, somebody had their, their light on on their cell phone. 
it's in the middle of the daytime. This blinding little light. You know, so you know how you see those cell phone lights? You can barely look at them before it like hurts your eyes. Little tiny bulb that's, you know, what is it like that? A half a centimeter diameter. The thing across the room is blinding you, right? And that all came, of course, from what Don Fletcher is showing. He's like, look, that that came because of the American system. The other rest of the world, they had, they all benefited from this system, and they just copied it. But nobody and no, nobody right. ruled these areas. They they didn't want it. it. Very much explains the the Chinese, right? Uh, they they copied it. We gave it to them. They want and they needed everything, right? We need the blueprint for the factories. We need the blueprint yeah. for the machines, right? We need because we don't know how to do it, right? All all as we can do is copy. Even you know he goes on saying even the Japanese, the Korean, right? They, yeah. They, they they can take it and maybe they can make it better, right? They can improve it a little bit, right? But they couldn't come up with the invention. No, they have to copy it. And, and eventually, right, we, you'll get to the point where, man, the innovation just kind of stops, right? Because uh, they keep taking too much of the puzzle. And I think this is this is kind of what he's leading up to. Yeah, yeah, he's got a lot, and we'll we'll put as much as we can on today, and we'll see if we could revisit this later in the week. We may have, may have some spots on the schedule where we'll revisit a little bit of this because uh, the, the deeper it gets, the more fascinating it gets. Joe, it just he just goes into ideas that uh, he said at the beginning of of the presentation. He said, "You go to college to confuse all of this. They they get you. You know, it, t- it takes a while for you to get confused." It's like. But he, he jokes, he's laughing, you know, because he's like, yeah, you'll, at the end of this presentation, you'll understand this. It's all common sense. Remember it took years for them Barack, to confuse this. Yeah. Remember what Barack Obama told you. It's not you. It's not yours. You didn't do Somebody this. Somebody else did that. Right? The government did it, right? Right? Somebody else did it, right? We, you, you, it's not yours. That, that's, that's what we're not. And, and it makes perfect sense when he starts talking about how did all of this innovation happen? Right? How, how did uh, all of this happen? And, and he really said, real simple. America, when it was first great country number one, America number one, right, allowed you to make things better and get rewarded for it. You got to keep everything. And that's why everybody wanted to come here. Uh, kind of fascinating when you when you put it like that. Like, oh, that, that is interesting. Why didn't somebody make the airplane first? Right? Why didn't someone make the car first? Now we know. We'll be back right after the break. Do something. KHNC is proud to carry my kind CBD products. Products include cocoa, top shelf tinctures, hemp salve, moisturizing lotions, and retinol cream. They also have pet tincture and hemp shampoo for a healthy coat and skin. To see all the CBD products we carry, visit the station at 2 South Parish or check us out online. Go to 1360KHNC.com. Click on the shop button. Bleed Stop, clinically proven and FDA cleared to stop even arterial bleeds. Pour it into the wound, apply direct pressure, and clotting occurs in seconds. No stinging or burning. Minor cuts or major wounds, Bleed Stop is a must for first aid kits, backpacks, and trauma bags. Find Bleed Stop by clicking on the Bleed Stop button on the 1360KHNC webpage. Products and prices listed on the KHNC website are 20% off the regular Bleed Stop website prices. Get yours today. You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, 1360 AM, KHNC, 
Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort Collins. Free college, energy, mortgages, <laughs> whatever you like, you have come to the right place. Why? I'll tell you why. Who can take your money? Who can take your money? With a twinkle in their eye. A twinkle in their eye. Take it all away and give it to some other guy. The government. The government. The government can. The sunrise. Who can tax the trees? Let you run a business and collect up all the fees. The government. And who can give a bailout? Tell us to behave. And make the founding fathers roll over in the grave. The government. a man-friendly spa with women bringing their husbands and significant others in for pedicures all the time. Men's feet hurt too. Don't forget. Blue Dragon Spa 1811 Hover Street Suites A and B Longmont, Colorado 720-680-0492 720-680-0492 
Hi, folks. Joe Jaquin here from the Half Empty Cup of Joe Show. Are you worried about investing in the stock market, especially with Joe Biden in office? Do you really trust this economy? What if you could invest in a secure, collateralized portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed? A portfolio where you know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. Your interest is compounded daily. You're paid monthly, and there are no fees. You can turn your income on or off compounded whatever you choose and get this there's absolutely no loss of principal if you ever need your money back go to investyrefi.com that's invest the letter y r e f y.com or call 888yrefi24 you can earn a fixed rate of return that's up to 10.25% just call 888yrefi24 or go to investyrefi.com and tell them Joe sent you ETI is your local one-stop shop for all your heavy equipment needs. From rebuilding your components to helping manage your fleet, our goal is to make your life simple. Our full-service hydraulic and machine shop will meet all your expectations. We also offer free pickup and delivery. Call Jeff at 970-685-2064 with any questions or to schedule a pickup. Again, that's 970-685-2064. The views and opinions expressed on 1360 KHNC are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Excursion Broadcasting Network. The Half Empty Cup of Joe is sponsored by Wagner Electric at Welcome back the Half Empty Cup of Joe. We will start taking some callers here at 877-536-1360. That number to call in or text 877-536-1360. We're going to play more of this video with uh, Don Fletcher. It's uh, it, it, when you listen to him, you start to understand why the IRS the IRS is a iron-fisted tyrant and why their part of the government is is pretty much the most important for the control of the system that we live under. Um, so, so to let you know, so I found this video. I was loving it. I was like, man, I want to have one of those days. Uh, Steve Mitchell, he had, uh, he had a doctor's appointment with his wife to go to, so he couldn't do the show today. So I tried to have something really good loaded up and ready. And I told Joe, hey, there's so much here that we're going to have to uh, uh, take some of the commercial breaks out. But what, what happened to Don Fletcher? Let me tell you what happened to Don Fletcher. Uh, and I'll, I'll start with one little nugget. I asked the question before I watched this video. I asked the, I always ask the question because you, you have these little financial shows that come on, you know, and, and then the, the you have the little uh, the, the little warning. Hey, uh, this, this is not giving out financial advice. You know, this is just my opinions of what I do. This is not giving financial advice. I- 
give that out? Have you got? Uh, and always the first thing in my head is always, has anyone ever got sued giving out financial advice and then gone to jail or had some, some penalty? And I, I can't name anybody. I looked around. Nobody's, nobody's getting in trouble for giving out financial advice. Why is, this, why is this so tricky? And I don't think anyone really knows the answer. But then after listening to Don Fletcher and knowing what happened to him, now I know why. Uh, Don Fletcher in 2002 was was audited and charged uh, by the IRS with crimes for giving financial advice. He was helping people with taxes. A guy like this knows all the loopholes. He, you know, you can tell by when he's speaking, he knows how this thing works. Uh, I think he was in, and I don't know the entire case. So I'm, I'm, I'm speaking with just a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, speculation, but. Uh, I think he was giving out legal tax advice that was really uh, rubbing uh, the IRS and the, and the people in charge wrong badly. Uh, he was showing people that they could get, uh, as, as a simple example, uh, you can uh, deduct cat food. Deduct cat food off your taxes because it's pest control. It's, it's, it's a pest control cost, right? You know, how, how do you get rid of the, uh, the the rats and the mice? You you feed the cat, and the cat gets rid of the mice. And illegally, that 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 is pest control. So he he was he was giving financial advice, and I think too many people were were benefiting too well, and they put this guy in prison in 2002, and by 2004 he died in prison. Sounds like James Trafficant. You're you're right. That's exactly what this is. This man understood this history, and he was he I think he was 69 when he died, so he wasn't you know he wasn't young. It's it's not too tragic, but Joe, I always. I always appreciate a guy like this that just pushes and pushes, and, and he's trying to help. He, uh, I, I think he knew uh, the consequences of what he was doing, and he's like, look, I lived my life. Uh, I, I don't like the system we're in. I want America to be as good as it possibly can be, and, I, and people just need to know. You know, I think he wanted things to get better, and he, he, I think he knew what he was getting into. You don't mess with the IRS, right, Joe, unless you're ready to pay a, a price. And uh, yeah, I, love this I, mean, I love this guy for doing it, man. I, I love this guy for doing it. When you think about, hey, what 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 are the things that that can uh, fear you the most? Uh, the uh, the letter from the IRS is definitely high up on the list, right? You're being audited, e- even if you're like, well, but I didn't do it right, you know. I I tried to follow the rules the best I can, but you know, like they're gonna find something, right? At the end of the, yep. the they'll find something. Um, and again, uh, you know, people don't realize the what made this country great to begin with was, hey, there was you got to keep all your money, right? There was no such, there was no income tax in this country for a very, very long period of time, and really, you could argue uh, the period of time that allowed America to become the greatest country on earth. That was when this was happening, Jason. That's correct. That's correct. And and I, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he actually, you know, now that cause I, I misspoke with audit, I don't think he was audited, uh, even though I'm, I'm sure he was. Uh, the, the crimes that landed him in, in prison was helping other people with their taxes. He was, you know, when, when, when these people got audited, I'm sure they, they broke and they're like, well, who, I'm sure this, this is where the, uh, this is not a financial advice. This is where I think this comes from, Joe. They told these people as, as they were uh, putting the hammer down, who told you to do this? How did you figure this out? And they probably said, well, this guy Don told me how to do this. That's where this happened. You know, he was giving out uh, the dirty secrets of, of our country's history. And uh, 
they, they smacked him around, just like James Traffic right there in the middle of Congress, telling everybody, this is how, these are the dirty secrets. This is how it works. The, the, the country Israel is not our friend. There, there's a lobby here that's telling this country what to do, and you should not, we should not be involved with foreign countries telling this country what to do. And then James Trafficking went right to prison, right? He survived his prison. He came out of prison and then uh, had the, uh, the tractor accident. You know, you got guys like Andrew Jackson, the first president that ever had an assassination attempt, trying to get rid of the bank at that time. Trying, they wanted to get the English system, the European system, back in place. And uh, these are these are guys, Joe, that I like. I, I used to play some some uh, a, a comedian used to pl uh, put put some songs on on uh, Fake News Friday. His name was Trevor Moore. Through comedy, he was he was putting things out there in a humorous way, especially about the LGBTQ movement and things of that nature. He, he was a you know a well balanced guy, but he had he, he dies of a head trauma in 2021 in his backyard, dies in the grass. You know, it's it's so interesting, Joe, that. Which individuals seem to catch on and, and uh, catch some flack and weird stuff happens over Here I am. I, I think I've, I've said enough, I guess, maybe to, to alert people, but I'm more of an informer. I just like bringing these guys on and, and showing them. I don't think it gets me into any trouble. A lot of people come up to me and tell me that I'm putting myself in danger, but it's like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, uh, I've lived long enough, I guess. I don't want to get my, you know, my family into any trouble or anything, but. At some point, Joe, don't don't people just need to like stand up and say the truth? You know, I'm not doing any harm. I'm not giving financial advice, but I am sending these stories out there of these men that have tried. So I I love this guy, but it's 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 it's, it's just always sucks that every time I find something about one of these guys, you always find well he yeah they threw him in prison he's dead. You know, uh, uh, what is it? Um, uh, the guy that that Trump hailed for his 2016 election, WikiLeaks. You know, uh, uh, why am I forgetting his name? Not uh, Ed Snowden, but uh, Julian Assange. Ju Julian Assange, another one. Julian Assange, putting it out there. This is the this. These are the wrongs of the world. This is what's going on. Uh, hey, uh, Hillary Clinton is a is a full on criminal. You know, and Hillary Clinton didn't pay a price at all, did did she, Joe? You know, didn't we didn't get the justice that we should get from these crooked politicians? But the politicians are guaranteed a position. You know, Trump's not going to prison. Hillary Clinton's not going to prison. You know, uh, Fauci's not going to prison. These people don't go to prison. They're doing the work, the necessary work for those that are in charge to to get the results they want, Joe. So I. You know, this is why I like to play this stuff, and, and uh, we'll play a little bit more, uh, a little bit more of, of Don Fletcher's presentation right now. If you want to call in, though, it's 877-536-1360 if you want to jump in. Let's play a little bit more of this through this uh, second hour, and then uh, we'll, we'll join I'll have some more comments. See what we learned when we get out of school. Let's go back into some history now and figure out what happened, what caused all this. Because if we don't understand the past, we don't understand the present. Isn't this interesting? All right. So I want to go back to, uh, oh, our Garden of Eden scene again. Of course, then we had a flood, and the flood went away, and people started a thing called the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel was where uh, some guy made a record and called it, I'll do it my way. <laughs> and uh, so they had to speak different languages, go different parts of the country, okay? Yeah, different parts of the world, okay? Now, we, around the Mediterranean, what we call the Western world, uh, sprang up some world governments of sorts. The first major world government that we hear about is Egypt. And this is all, of course, in the Old Testament of the Bible. There were your pharaohs. Egypt was a very interesting country because the guy at the top considered himself to be God. 
this may surprise you. See, people, people in government always like that title. <laughs> it comes with the job, it seems. <laughs> uh, yes, they really enjoyed that. All right? So, you see, and so to do anything against this guy was considered blasphemy. Well, you can't beat that. Any kind of revolution was a rebellion against God, you see. And uh, they had the, they worshipped the sun, and they had temples that they met in, and they had temple uh, priestesses and temple prostitutes and temple this and temple that, and and they had all this uh, you know these strange things that they worship like the uh, you know different phenomenon okay like frogs and and so forth that they worshipped in Egypt. Well, Egypt was eventually conquered by a country called Assyria. Assyria was uh, oh sort of up where Iran, Iraq are today in that area. And uh, they conquered Egypt. Now, the guy who ran Assyria, this, this may come as a shock, considered himself to be God. <laughs> See, notice the name and the location changes, but the title remains the same. Okay? And they had a temple thing, and they had uh, sun worship, and uh, they, uh, you see, it's kind of like the same thing. Well, this goes on for a few years. And then there were some guys from Babylon, which is down uh, further south. Uh, from Assyria, Babylon, and uh, they conquered Assyria. Isn't that interesting? Now, uh, in Babylon, uh, the guy, who, the king up there, uh, well, for some reason, thought he was God. You see? Same deal. They had temples, and they had these rituals. They worshipped the sun, and da-da-da-da. Okay, ready? Okay, another world empire comes along, conquers this Babylon. This is the Medo-Persian, Medo, Medo, the Median tribes up in the north were basically your, up around the, the Baltic Sea up in there. And then you had the Persians, Medo-Persians, okay, which is where Iran is today. Okay? Now, the thing that characterized this guy was that he thought he was God. See how this changes from time to time, okay? So we have God, 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 God. Got it? See, history isn't that hard to remember, okay? Now, okay, and things went along pretty well until he was conquered by Greece. Alexander the Great conquered this. Alexander the Great was an interesting guy. Uh, one item of note about him was that he thought he was God. Okay? And uh, they had a little, he worshipped the sun and a few things, and they had a little temple prostitutes, temple priests, and so forth, and uh, pretty much the same thing. And then he was conquered by Rome. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> and the Roman Caesars had this little trait that they like to have people call him, you know. <laughs> I, it went something like God. <laughs> See? So the guy who runs government always thinks he's God. <laughs> this is not something that the IRS just created recently. <laughs> This has been going on for some time. See, if we don't understand history, we don't understand the National Enquirer, okay? As we go through Safeway, our trip is meaningless. Okay, now, so what happens, okay? So we find here that in order to be able to understand this, we have to have a grasp on what's been going on before we got here, okay? <laughs> now we're ready to understand ourselves. All right, now, let's erase this again. This is going to be fun. Ta-da! This is getting easier. Well, that, that lubricated. I guess there was no lubrication under something. Okay. There we go. All right, now, so if we took this another way, we say from 3,000 years B.C., okay, for the first 3,000 years until the time of Christ, we have a government that was primarily involved with external control, don't we? External control. 
even the old Hebrew religion. If they, if you want to know what, the, what to do, well, some guy went up to the mountain and he got some tablets and he brought these tablets back <laughs> and said, guys, here's what we're going to do. Notice it was not a democratic meeting because they would have come up with the golden calf if they did it, wouldn't they? Okay, But he came up with these tablets, you see, and said, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, and all these things. Well, hey, that's not what we want to do, is it? <laughs> see, that was external. That was external stuff, see? And he says, if you do this stuff, you're going to die. Okay. So, guys have been trying it ever since. <laughs> okay, now, so what happens, okay? And uh, so what ha causes a lot of death? Okay. <laughs> okay, you see, this doesn't come from what the guy wants to do. It comes from an external source. The guy at the top had this little attribute. He was always right. Because he was God. <laughs> and you can't beat that for authority. <laughs> That's as good as it gets. Okay, now, okay, along comes our friend Christ now. Interesting guy. And his name was Emmanuel. Does anybody know what Emmanuel meant in Hebrew? God with us. God is with us. See, God isn't afar. God isn't out there. God is with us. See, and he comes along now. He preaches the gospel of the kingdom. This is really interesting. <laughs> and where did he say this kingdom was? Anybody have any idea? Well, he said his kingdom was within us, didn't he? And right, it wasn't of this earth. It was within us. See, and so John explains that. He comes along and, and he says, well, greater is he who is within you than he who is in the world. Can anybody see a conflict arising here? <laughs> you know what they did with this guy? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> not good. <laughs> Kimosabe, not good. <laughs> Notice what he did? He introduced the concept of internal control, didn't he? Oh, boy. Problems. Problems. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> now, what we're going to show you for the next half an hour, and how much time do we have till the break here, uh, Guy? Well, what time did we start? Okay, so it's, we've been going... Okay, so let's go for about an hour and take a break, and then we'll come back for another hour and take another break. And then we'll come back, and then there will be no break after that. No, I'm kidding. Now, okay, so, <laughs> all right, nobody will come back after that. <laughs> now, see, because I submit to you that if we understand this, we'll understand, like, what's going on with our paychecks. Okay, so for the next uh, 15 minutes, and then we'll have a break, I want to talk about what was the effect of internal control on the world. Because there was some effect. If you look at a map, and I'm, I'm not a good cardiologist here, but cartologist, but anyway, what you have is the Mediterranean Ocean, something like this, and you got Africa, and you have Arabia Peninsula, you got India over here, and you've got uh, Europe and Scandinavia coming over here like this, and you've got England over here, all right? Now, there you've got what's called the Caucasus Mountains. Now, out of this melting pot, if you will, or the beginning of civilization, we find there were two flows. One flow went this way, and one flow went this way, both of them ending up in England. England is our pivot point here in history. It's interesting, okay? Now, what you're going to find is that these people had internal motivation. Okay? These people became what we know as your uh, Caucasians. They became known as the Anglo-Saxons. There's all kinds of names for them. They went into Germany where they became the Teutons. They went into Scandinavia where they became the Vandals and eventually the Vikings. They had one, one characteristic that was impeccable. They were never conquered by anybody. Nobody messed with them. <laughs> they were not very civilized, but nobody, nobody had any trouble with them, okay? Because they just didn't kill you. Just look at you. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's you. <laughs> that's roots. <laughs> okay, you see, but the internal thing was like on. And they, they would have raids on England, they'd have raids on all these places, they'd come out of the forge, you know, and they had this god called Odin. You know, well, it's interesting, we'll get into all that, but he, uh, <laughs> he ran the bank and a few things. Okay, now, along here, we have basically our, our Latin-type people, okay, which is Greece, Italy, uh, France, Spain, and so forth. Now, the characteristic of this group of people was external control. As a matter of fact, they went into France, and, and today we find Ireland is populated by, by your people from France, whereas Scotland is populated by people from Scandinavia, basically, okay? So you find a big difference in the people. You'll find a big difference in their governments. You'll find a big difference in how they relate to things as a culture. Now, if a person leaves and goes to another culture, then he will change. It's not a racial characteristic. It is a cultural characteristic. But this seems to be inherent in the culture for some reason, all right? Along here was the Roman Catholic Church, for example. They would burn you if you, if you read the Bible. <laughs> you, did, you didn't read the Bible. And the, matter of fact, in the, well, we're going to find here some interesting things. The Tyndale actually do, uh, read the Bible in English in, seven, in 1377. He was burned at the stake <laughs> because he stole the church property. Yeah. I mean, see, what did that do to the church? Well, if you could read the Bible, you, you wouldn't need their external control, would you? See the difference, okay? So we're going to see that all the way down, this has conflicted with government, whether it's church government or civil government. There's been this tremendous conflict now between internal and external control. America 1 was internal control. America 2 from 1913 is external control imposed on us. Did anybody voluntarily pay his income tax last year? No, it was stolen from you, wasn't it? It was stolen. You couldn't even get it back. See, it was external. You didn't decide that. Somebody else decided it. And there, but see, that, was, that wasn't existing in America 1. When we understand this, we'll come out of here with a great power that we didn't have when we walked in here. You quit work, yeah. But the, the secret is you quit working for someone else. <laughs> now you want to work for yourself because you get to keep it if you work for yourself. See the difference? Okay. So what happens over here is that this culminates in what we call the feudal system. We had, over in England, we had a king. Now, king means sovereign in Latin, the terms of Caesar, okay? It means the guy who owns the place, the guy who owns the land. The guy who owns the land usually has all the power and all the wealth. It's not very simple. The power is in the land, as far as economics are concerned, okay? In, in uh, German, that's called Kaiser. In Russian, it's called Tsar. In English, it's called king. It's the same word. It comes from the Latin word sovereign, or Caesar. Okay, the king had his nobles, the knights, the dukes, the duchess, the earls, the barons, and so forth, and that was about 5% of his population. And then the people who actually did the work were the serfs, the 95%, okay? Now, how this shook down was that your people from this area down here came and became your serfs, and the people from this area came down and became the nobles. And so you had this, this noble, noble class here of people, and I wouldn't say class, this noble category of people. It wasn't a class, it was sort of like... They were just the guys. The king had a proper system of rents. He would rent the land to the nobles, who in turn would sub-rent it to the serfs. Everybody had to do their fair share and all this kind of stuff, whatever. That meant as little as you could get by with. Because nobody could keep what he earned. Even the nobles were being changed. And as a matter of fact, uh, Prince, uh, this guy John was really a nut, this King John. And uh, he, his, his favorite entertainment after a meal was to have the curtains part and, and have watch nobles being hanged. They did hang nobles after dinner as a, for sort of a treat. 
and guys would go, Bleh. and uh, so the nobles got together and they said, you know, this is not good for our health. And so what they did was that they they got they got a big army together. The barons got a big army together, and they uh, they uh, asked John to come down for a little seminar they were having south south of the Thames River there in Runnymede. And uh, and so they surrounded John with their army, and they said, John, we would like you to sign in the year. 1215, we would like you to sign a document uh, called the Magna Carta. And the king says, well, what does that mean? They said, well, it means magnificent contract. He says, yes, I know, but what does it do? And they said, oh, it gives us the ownership of England. <laughs> you see, after today, you won't own England anymore. We'll own England. I mean, was this a deal or what? <laughs> Never in the history of time had anybody ever come up with that idea. It came right out of these guys. It was Viking stuff, see? <laughs> So John says, well, well, you know, he goes out for a little break. He looks at his army. He says, why would I say anything like that? And they said, well, if you'll sign it, then we won't cut your head off this afternoon as scheduled. <laughs> so we, we do a lot of seminars across the country. We do a lot of motivational training with our agents and so forth. And basically we found that you can't beat that for a good close. <laughs> And so the king bought a Magna Carta. He signed on the line which was dotted, and now the Magna Carta is in effect. The king was no longer the sovereign in England. Isn't that interesting? The king didn't own the place. The nobles owned the place. Did this have an effect on England? You bet. You bet. Because it wasn't very long later, until about 1295 here, some interesting things happened, because this was our Magna Carta. Okay? They said, well, look, this is really kind of crazy. We own the land, and the king is still taxing us. The king was putting the tax on the land. He's still collecting the tax. And so the guys got together. They said, well, this doesn't make any sense. So they went to the king in 1215, and they said, king, we want to start a parliament. And he said, what's that? And they said, well, that's where we make the law instead of you. <laughs> the king looks out the army. They're out the window. He sees their army. And he says something like, okie dokie. <laughs> Reminds me of the story about Jimmy Carter. Supposedly, David Rockefeller called up Jimmy Carter back in the late 60s and said, Jimmy, if we make you president of the United States, would you do everything I tell you? And Jimmy thought, and he said, peanut butter. Okay, so anyway, so what we have, you see, is basically the same thing, okay? So the king now no longer made the king. <laughs> really hard to do serious seminars. Okay, now, so what happens? So the king no longer made the law. The law was made by the nobles. And what do you suppose they decided? Well, they wouldn't pay tax. What a shock. <laughs> just like that. I mean, just pass the law. The nobles from now on would not be taxed. <laughs> Are we having fun? So now what did they do? Well, they went all over the world. They went into Africa. They went to India. They went to China. They went to Austria. Australia. They went to the New, the new World, the new, uh, North America. And every place they went, the nobles could make everything they wanted to make, and they were never taxed. Now, occasionally, the indigenous citizens wanted to tax them, like Mahatma Gandhi or something like this. And they would, uh, they would decide, okay, since these guys from England are getting all the natural resources out of our country, we want to tax them. Now, the noble had a solution to that, okay? What he would do then is that he would bring in the British Army. <laughs> and the government now would no longer be an indigenous government. It would be called a colony. See, a colony is where the laws are made from London. Is, are we, is this interesting? Where the, now the nobles make the law, and they decided that they wouldn't even be taxed in any part of the world. <laughs> and if they had a problem with that, the British Army would go in. Now, what happened, you see, was that the British Army was protecting the business of the nobles. 
The British army went all over the world. It came to the point where the sun never set on the British Empire. The British Empire was simply the nobles making all the money they wanted to make and keeping it. We now understand British Empire. That's all it was. And to make sure that there weren't any problems, they had an army. <laughs> and it was a good army. This army, uh, before 1700, went 300 years undefeated. All the powers of the world put together could not defeat the British army. It was incredible. It was powerful. Nobody fussed with the British army. Well, that was uh, Parliament, 1295. It's really interesting stuff, right, Joe? And he's getting ready to, to go, go to the revolution. His understanding of how we won the revolution is something I had not really heard before, which is, is it's, it's extraordinary. But, but leading up to, to, to the world history part, with, where every ruler was a king, right, Joe? Every ruler was a king. And, and then you had these different tribes of people that were going to the western part of, of Europe, and you had two different types, one which was, you know, wanted to be ruled like the old system, and ones where, where they were more, you know, like Christ, where it was like, hey, we're going to, from, from inside, you know, we're, we're not going to become gods. We're just going to uh, rule with, with, with uh, what's fair for, for the individual. But uh, it's it's interesting how he went through the Magna Carta, how they were able to force the the king to capitulate and and free society. Now, yeah, if you were if you were a serf, if you were a, a a peasant, life still wasn't all that great. But at least there was a class of individuals we would probably call this the middle class right now, Joe, which was the lords. And how many times have I said, George, Joe, is like I'd rather if things go really bad economically in the world in the years to come, it'd better be a lord than to be a serf, uh, a serf, right, than a peasant. Because at least if you're in a position of a lord, you can be as kind and, and benevolent as you want. But uh, you have no choice if you're a peasant, right, Joe? And that's, that's what he's describing. He's describing a class of individuals that wanted freedom and were able to grasp it, and it helped everybody. Yeah, and then uh, talked about the army, right? Uh, how they, 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 uh, they the army yeah. all over the world. And, I, and I'm just drawing correlations to kind of where we're at today, right? Yeah. Very, 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 very similar because, well, where did we learn it from, right? Uh, well, we learned it from the English, right? So uh, it, it, it is quite amazing. Let's go a few more minutes here because I love this part of it where he says how we won the or an essential part of winning the war for independence. It's, it's pretty shocking when you hear it the way he says it. So let's, let's get there. Five. Okay, then as we pointed out, some interesting things happen here. See, notice what we're learning. A little bit of internal control. A little more internal control. You see why history cannot be taught in the government school? Because it's going contrary to the government philosophy. And so it's just not taught. It's called, it's not there, existentialism. <laughs> okay, now, okay. Okay, so then along about 17 or 1379, we have Tyndale. Tyndale, friend of the Bible leaders. He was burned. Okay, Tyndale. Okay, along about 1420, we have, uh, or I'm sorry, that was Wycliffe. Excuse me, that was Wycliffe. I get these guys all mixed up here. That was John Wycliffe. He was burned at the stake. Okay, John Tyndale had the same thing happen to him. Okay, that was, that was like 100 years later. Okay, or many, many years later. Okay, we have uh, Tyndale. And then Wycliffe up here. All right, and and uh, Henry VIII cut his head off because Henry VIII was a Roman Catholic at the time. That was against their their law. Well, Henry VIII now had some interesting problems because he didn't have a son after he had been married to this uh, uh, Catherine of Aragon for eight years. He had a couple of girls, but no no male children. And so he went to his archbishop, Sir Thomas More, and he said, "Tom," he said, "I'm paraphrasing this. I I want a divorce." 
And Tom says, good grief, uh, Henry, you can't have a divorce. You've been married eight years. He says, that's okay. I want, a, I want an annulment. And he says, you can't annul eight year marriage. And so he checks with the Pope and says, can't be done. So Henry has a very novel and imaginative, creative solution to this problem. He cuts off Tom's head. Okay? And then he starts a church called the Catholic Church of England. And he is the Pope. Is this interesting? And of course, then he went ahead and introduced the concept of disposable wives right now. And so what happens, you see, is that now there was a new church. The Holy Roman Empire had just uh, collapsed. Now, the Holy Roman Empire was neither Holy Roman nor it was an empire. All it was was the Pope plus the kings. So it made the king have the benefit from the, from the, uh, from the, the so-called so God-man or whatever have you, okay? Now, so you see, <laughs> see, the system really is still, they're still trying to push it. Okay, it's interesting. Okay, that the, that the guy on top is God. <laughs> okay, interesting stuff. All right? Now, uh, to, to shield it within the framework of our country now, you don't know who the guy is. Like, who is the guy that owns the Federal Reserve System? Well, let's see. We know the Federal Reserve System is not an American corporation. We know it's not a government agency. We know that the president can, have, can appoint governors, but governors don't own the place. Who owns it? Well, obviously it must be God. <laughs> Isn't that interesting, you see? Hmm. Okay, the internal control is wrecking the external control. There's a conflict going on. Don't kid yourself. And you can choose which side you want to be on. One is like a wave coming in. One's a wave going out. You know, this is like the rest of the reason Russia collapsed is because it was going the wrong way. If you go the wrong way, you collapse. If you buy into America, too, you're going this way. You will collapse. You won't own anything on Friday. You'll work 40 years and be broke. You'll die spending your kids' inheritance. You don't, the kids don't have any inheritance. You've got to live off them. Because the thing is going this way. Now, it doesn't have to go this way. This is what our meeting is all about. Okay, interesting stuff. So we have 1420 comes along. Tyndale. All right. Henry VIII now... In, in 14, uh, 14, uh, I'm sorry, 1440, excuse me. In 1442, Henry VIII now uh, has written in the British Constitution that the King of England is the head of the church. That's still in the British Constitution, by the way. Did you know that a few years back, and it says in the British Constitution, by the way, that if a commoner marries a member of royalty, it requires the permission of the church. I mean, the, the church, the government over in England still runs the Anglican church. Now, did you know that a few years back when Prince Charles wanted to marry Princess Diana, or whatever her name was, that, that that required the permission of the church? You see? And his mom said, okay. All right? Now, <laughs> again, again, not knowing history makes, a, makes the uh, National Enquirer undecipherable. Okay. Now, you see, once we get history, we have an interesting shot at it, don't we? We have an interesting shot at it. Okay, now we have Henry VIII come along. Well, Henry VIII uh, began what was called the Anglican Church, and he took Tyndale's Bible. You know, it was really interesting that Tyndale's prayer just before his head was cut off was that, the, was that God may open the eyes of the Church of England, or the King of England. And in, uh, in about 1445, Henry VIII decided that Tyndale's Bible was pretty good after all. He had manuscripts printed or written and put in all the churches in England. Isn't that interesting? So he changed his mind. <laughs> so for Tyndale, it was a little bit late. Okay? But the interesting thing is, see, even though the guy dies physically, his works live on. This is kind of an interesting concept. Because even though these guys were martyred, they were very effective. They were, they were, they were really instituting internal control, even though their body was taken away. This is heavy stuff. 
Okay, now, this goes along now uh, until about uh, 15, or to, until about uh, 1599. And again, I'm just jumping through this. You can get back into history and you can find all kinds of stuff. I mean, I'm just, just skipping through, the, through the, the rocks here. I mean, there's a lot of stuff here. Okay, 1599, we had Gutenberg. Okay, what happened to Gutenberg? Well, he invented the movable type press. Up until this time, there weren't any libraries because nobody had any books. The only books were in monasteries or somewhere they were laboriously hand-copied. Now, all of a sudden, Gutenberg uh, invents a printing press, movable type, okay? So that's up. What happens in 1601? The king of, of uh, Scotland, James, comes down, the Stuart kings, because they, uh, Mary, Queen of Scots, was back in, uh, Henry VIII's daughter, uh, running England and converting, putting all the Protestant or so-called Anglican people in. This is why John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, wrote it in prison, because all the preachers were put in prison, and uh, the, the Roman government was brought back, the Roman church was brought back, and so uh, Henry, or so James comes down from Scotland, and he completely takes over England, and he introduces the, uh, the actually what was called the, the Scottish Presbyterian Church at that time. He didn't even introduce the Church of England. Okay, and but he had all the Bibles printed in English. Isn't this interesting? So this King James Bible now was produced about 1611. So here we have the King James version of the Bible, and it was written in English, and it was printed on a press, and everybody was given a copy. So the government sanctioned everybody in England now having a copy of this Bible. Well, you'd think that'd be the end of the problems for England. That was the start of their problems. <laughs> because guys would start reading this Bible now, and this was amazing because they never had a book before, so they wanted to learn to read. They read from the Bible. They wanted to teach somebody to read. They read from the Bible. They wanted to have a book at home. They had the Bible. It was the only book there was. <laughs> Boy, it had a tremendous effect on England. It's the basis of the old English language. Okay? It also changed England radically because it said in the Bible that Jesus Christ was the head of the church. Uh-oh. <laughs> Does anyone see a conflict? <laughs> Mm -hmm. And so they decided, well, we want to start teaching our children that Jesus Christ is sovereign. They said, no, no, the government will teach the, the kids because we want to teach them that the king is sovereign. <laughs> We've now understood public education, haven't we? Who's the sovereign? You're going to get different stories depending on the source of the education, aren't you? And for the government to be sovereign, it must run the schools. That's the 10th platform of the Communist Manifesto, by the way. This that can't happen until governments run the schools. Oh, boy. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. Now... So, it doesn't take these guys very long. It takes like nine years. <laughs> and these guys just blow. I mean, they blow. They said, this isn't right. They said, let us get thee out of here. They get some boats, and they sail. <laughs> they, sail over <laughs> they sail over to America. Nobody even went there before. <laughs> I mean, that was it. You see, they wanted to worship the sovereign. The spiritual stuff. Well, okay, so now we have the Mayflower. Isn't that interesting? Now, we often hear that, that these were called the colonies. Notice that's just recent history. They did not call themselves colonies or colonists. Isn't that interesting? They said that they would start in the charter of the Mayflower Compact. They said, well, we really owe a debt of gratitude to King James, and we really think that was great, and now we're going to start a body politic. What's a body politic? It's a separate nation, isn't it? They just started a separate nation. Because out of this Bible, the Puritans got the concept that the self was governed by itself, not by somebody else. And that the self gave way to the family, and the family was run from within, that the family was best run inside than outside, which gave way to the church, and the church was better run inside than from outside, and which gave way also to business. And their business should be run by them and not by the state. And they had their civil government should be run by them and not by somebody else. Totally internal. It was like 
thanks King James, but we'd rather do it ourselves. Well, Europe laughed these guys to scorn. Nobody had ever had a government run from inside. You know, always they had to have a king and all this kind of stuff. I mean, nobody, how could you have everybody run a government? Everybody owned all the land? <laughs> this wasn't going to last very long. They sat back and these guys thought they could own the land, you see. Interesting, isn't it? What's so fascinating is it's still going. Okay? Now, all right? So, you say, well, why didn't this idea catch on? Why didn't this just spread like wildfire and we all be born in the 30s, 40s, 50s, whenever we're born into countries that are all, all over the world have these constitutions and have these self-governments? What happened? Well, we're going to find out that there's a crowd of people. <laughs> as they say, we're going to find out that in the game there's another team on the field. And there's a team on the field that doesn't like internal control because that way they don't have control over you. Now, in order to win this game, we have to know what this other team is. <laughs> and we're going to come back from our break, and it's called central banking. The boys live in the central bank, and the central bank gets to control the country. And I won't tell you how, because it's a big secret, and you'll, I don't want to spoil your next hour. Okay, but there's a word that explains it. Anybody know what that word is? Okay, we'll get into it next hour. We're going to explain it. Well, I'll, I'll give you a clue. The word is debt. The control... We'll stop it there, Joe, because we're going to run out of show. But we didn't get to the part where I wanted to, to talk about. But uh, it's pretty pretty interesting uh, view of, of our history that you just don't really get. And it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and we'll pick this up uh, again Another time, this week. Yeah. yeah, because uh, um, it, it is very uh, interesting uh, when he starts to – uh, talk about hey there there is there is another player on the field why why wasn't this everywhere why why didn't this spread like wildfire uh, and and uh, it was it, it really was simple because they didn't want it to spread like wildfire right they they wanted to keep control that they had and and, and it's still ongoing right it, it is still ongoing. Mm -hmm today and and now and i say it all the time you know uh at least for me so I'll, you know i have direct tv i know i'm an old timer uh i can't cut the can't cut the cord uh type thing and we have and i'm not kidding every morning and into the night 24 hours a day i have at least one channel telling me about the debt markets Right, and it's all uh, a certain spin on 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 the debt markets. And at the prime time during the day, I could have three or four channels all telling us about the debt all over the world. Right, you can buy debt in China, you can buy debt in France, you can buy debt in Japan, you can buy debt in Argentina, Brazil, wherever you want. You there's debt everywhere. To be bought up, and man, if you just believe in us, we can make you wealthy, right, Jason? That is correct. That is correct. And then coming from a bunch of guys that, as uh, Don Fletcher had talked about earlier in the presentation, that don't own anything. They just control it. <laughs> they don't own it. They control it. It's and it's it's hard. It's hard. Uh, it's a hard concept for people when you spent your life uh, acquiring things or uh, in the attempt to acquire things. I need to buy a house, or I need to buy this, or I want to buy this. Or, and, and, and to see that somebody has control over this, and you don't even really get the game. 
And this is why it's really, it, I really like uh, how he brought the history, bring it up to the Magna Carta, how the Lord's uh, really wanted to have internal control instead of external control. I mean, I'll, I'll, uh, I don't know if we're going to be uh, Wednesday or Thursday if we bring some of this more of this in, but I'll, just, I'll skip ahead slightly because he, he gets to the point where, hey, the colonies, which, which he just said it, these weren't colonies. These were nations. You know, the Puritans thought of themselves as a new nation on this continent. So in a lot of ways, the war for independence was just to get out of external control, the banking system. You know what's funny? How, what he says, Joe, it's, it's, just, uh, it's so brilliant. One of the, what he says is one of the main reasons why uh, we won the war. Because how does a, a straggly band of guys, you know, this army led by George Washington, how are they able to conquer the, the most undefeated army on the face of the planet? And you, there's, all, there's all kinds of reasons, that, you know, that, now one of the reasons I always gave was, well, when the war was over, there was loans brought to the new country from France and now there was debt here and so the system took root and that is that is still true you know the uh, the war grabbed another european power which is they're all owned by the same central banks they put us in the, into debt and so the seed was planted so this country was going to be dominated by banks which it did until andrew jackson showed up however to physically win the war one of the tactics used, which I thought was, which I, I've never heard this, and then I'm looking it up, and I'm seeing no more people do talk about this. The, the British had trouble keeping soldiers fighting. The soldiers would find up. They 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 they, they, they come over the oceans. Here we are. We're going to fight these 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 petty little colonists. We're going to take back. You know what? The, you know what the colonists did, Joe? You had this huge new new uh, opportunity of land, right? They're, they're so you know, they, they had to fell trees and, and by you know by the, by your own hands, you had to create something out of nothing. And they told these uh, they told these British, and just like they said, internal control versus external control. Hey, you, the British soldier, just join us. We're going to give you 160 acres of land, and you will now have your own you know, your own business essentially. And the British soldiers would just desert. They desert. They go off into faraway places where the British didn't know where they were, and they started getting 160-acre plots and building their own lordship. And this is one of the ways that the British had real trouble fighting the war because they kept losing soldiers that were finding out, hey, by the way, they're going to give you land if you just just give up, you know, give up uh, the European continent. Your this is your new home. Build your own f uh, fortune, right, Joe? It's. Uh, these are things that you just don't learn. It's so hard to get clear history because the older the history is, the harder it is to get details like that, Joe. Yeah, and, and you know what? They, they offered them a better deal, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and it was far enough away, right? And, and land everywhere, right? I mean, the the opportunity abound. And, and, and uh, hey, wait a minute. I could be the Lord instead of the peasant, right? That that that's kind of right. We, what do we call that today? The American dream, right? That, that right. that's that's what they sold them. And then the choice might have been really easy for some of them. You're going to march in columns like traditional warfare of the time, and some guy behind a tree might pick you off with a gunshot, or you could just. You know, bolt from the army and go get your own land. I mean, it's, it's, it's for the business minded. Of course, if you're if you're a part of the the aristocracy and you you believe in the king and God and all that stuff that he was talking about with external control, there's no way you're going to get out of the brainwashing of that. But for people that uh, hey, I, I joined the army because my dad told me to, or I didn't really have any choices over there in England, and I really don't like what's going on. I don't have any family or friends that I really need to go back to in England. And here's these guys in, in this local bar telling me, hey, they're going to give me 160 acres if I just walk. 
you know, pretty, pretty big opportunity. And it's, it's very disruptive to a, to an army. Hey, we, you have so many men in your, in your regiment. And suddenly the next day, you know, a third of them are gone or 10% of them are just gone. You know, it's, it's gotta be disheartening. You know, let's face it. That's the way these wars are fought nowadays. We can't win in Vietnam. You can't win in Afghanistan. You're, at this point now, you don't, you're not supposed to win. It's a, it's about a business deal, Joe. Yeah, that's a that's a great way uh, of looking at at it. And you know, we're we're sitting here watching this play out, and uh, we say it all the time: uh, fiat money goes to zero, and usually the superpower of the time goes with it. Right? That's usually how it ends up playing out. We'll be back wrapping it up. Final segment of the day. This is Clay with Wagner Electric Company. We're out of Greeley. We're here to promote our Generac and Cummins standby generators and our service to the community with any electrical needs. We're located at 1517 2nd Avenue in Greeley, 970-800-3693. The biggest thing that we want to promote is that we set the standard and we're here to support you and your needs. 970-800-3693. Thirteen sixty KHNC is proud to announce our partnership with My Kind CBD, a local Colorado-based company that uses no pesticides, no herbicides, completely organic, no heavy metals. All their products are CAO certified. That's right, independently lab certified. Our prices are the best in the country. Go out to 1360KHNC.com and hit the shopping cart button and make your purchase today. Hey, Chris Lewis here with My Favorite Gunsmith at MyFavoriteGunsmith.com, 970-776-0258. At My Favorite Gunsmith, all I do is repair firearms. I love freedom more than guns, but the only thing that separates a free man from a slave is firearm ownership. I would only add that it needs to work. All of my guns work. Do yours? Find out, 970-776-0258, My Favorite Gunsmith at MyFavoriteGunsmith.com. That's 970-776-0258. Are you looking to sell your excess construction equipment? Trust Steffes Group's team of professionals to get you the best return on your investment. Steffes Group is a nationally recognized leader in the auction business with over 60 years of experience. Their team of professionals prioritize honesty, integrity, and outstanding service, and they work with you every step of the way to ensure a smooth and successful auction process. Go to steffesgroup.com right now to find a sales representative near you and discuss your options today. song I wrote, you might want to sing it note for note, don't worry, be happy. Final segment here, Patriot Radio, Patriot Radio News Hour, the half-empty cup of JoJo and Jason, and you know, it, it's, it really is interesting when you go to the education piece in that too, right? Because they conveniently don't talk about what what uh, what we are listening to today, do they, right? It's, it's how you tell the story. Because if you 
tell it the story the way he told the story, Jason, you'd be like, well, gosh, why would we want that? Right? We want to go back, right? We want we to get away from that. And they thought they did. Right? That's what the colonists thought. They thought they got away from it. And yep. really what ended up happening is they gave us the illusion that we got away from it. And, and they had to bide their time. It took them a little while, right? It took them a little while, Jason, but eventually uh, they got the control back. And saying it's things like this, uh, whether you follow the idea or not, it doesn't really matter to me, but the new world was a way that the the nobles of the British system, when they had the Magna Carta, they were grabbing control back from the external system. It was being brought back into the in, in, into the external system. They, then you had the people, they, they, they came over. That, that's where the next part's going to pick up, is where all these, the, all these people started going to the new world for this freedom, right? And it messed up the ability for the external system to really rule. Well, now, where is there to go? This is why, which I like to say, I don't want to ever force, you know, you can believe what you want to believe. But when, it, when we have Flat Earth Dave on and we talk about if you look at the Flat Earth map and you have Antarctica as the ring around the world of ice and you have the Admiral Byrd, he goes down there after World War II to see what, the, what were the Nazis doing down there? Why were they down there? Let's go, let's go down there and take a You know, and he, he flew a plane and he said, hey, there's continents down there, green and bright and, and growing. It's not just an ice wasteland. If we can get down there, we can we can uh, prosper. There's there's tons of of assets down there, and then right after that, you have NASA. You have the uh, 58th parallel where you can't go south. You have to have uh, very much permission to go down there. It, it really gets you thinking, Joe, doesn't it? That why why is an ice wasteland being why are they stopping all people of the world from going there? If it's just an ice wasteland, why can't you fly over it? Why can't you take your ship down there? Why I, without the permission of the assorted governments, governments that would never agree on anything, but they all agree that nobody should go down there. Just, you know, whether you believe it or not, uh, you know, the, the, the map of the earth being something different or that there's something down there, sure makes you wonder, Joe, as to why it's, you know, uh, a, a podcast of a fishing show is going down there to do some fishing, and then a, an American warship shows up and tells them to turn around. They've gone too far south. Just makes you wonder, right, Joe? That if there's if there's another new world down there, and uh, we are being forced into this little false scarcity society that we're in, which is, hey, serfs and lords, you know, there's there's a a king that that orders us to do so. So it's it's it gets the mind thinking, Joe. Anytime somebody wants you to not do something when there's somebody in in charge. Yeah, right. There's always that. Uh... Uh, big question. It's why, like you said, right? Hey, if it's just a big hunk of, ch what do you care if somebody wants to go check it out, right? Uh, you know, uh, remain. All of that uh, is going to be when we play the the second part of right. of of this. We'll we'll get into all all of those types of things, and it is a really interesting look at, at history. Uh, make, make you think, maybe, something. wait a minute. You know, quite what we, we got taught in our school books, wasn't Do it? Something. God bless everybody. Alex Jones coming up next. Jason and I will be back tomorrow. Do something. Stop bitching. Do something.
This is Clay with Wagner Electric Company. We're out of Greeley. We're here to promote our Generac and Cummins standby generators and our service to the community with any electrical needs. We're located at 1517 2nd Avenue in Greeley, 970-800-3693. The biggest thing that we want to promote is that we set the standard and we're here to support you and your needs. 970-800-3693. My name is James with Milco Carpet Cleaning. I'm based out of Millican, serving all of northern Colorado. We're a family-owned company that will clean your carpets, upholstery, tile, and rugs. My goal is to freshen your home and business, leaving you dry and clean in no time with no residues. Mention this ad and receive $10 per room off, up to $50. You can call me at 970-405-3740 or email me at nococarpetcleaning at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out my reviews on Google. You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, 1360 AM, KHNC, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort Collins. <laughs> 